The Charlotte Hornets suffered their second consecutive loss, this time to an all too familiar problem, a disaster of one individual quarter. We talk about it today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Check us out and make us your first listen wherever you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH. The show handle is on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Today, we'll be talking about the Hornets' loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, 130 to 106. First quarter, after the end of the first period, it's all tied up, 32 apiece. All right. Mm -hmm. Can you make this a run and beat Milwaukee for a third time this season? You've done it twice before. After a bad loss to Detroit, hey, maybe this is just the good team to get a win against, to get that confidence, to get that momentum back. Melo starts hot. Second quarter, they lose 44 to 21. They allow 76 points by halftime because not of a great defensive first quarter, but they at least scored to keep up with the Bucs. And then they allowed 44 in the second period. They would eventually lose by 30 points. We've seen this a million times. We've seen at least the disaster quarter. Now, there are a couple of like it's bad when there are levels to this for Charlotte, where there are levels to the bad quarter. You know, we I, I think maybe until this second quarter against Milwaukee, we would hold the Miami period where they scored eight, allowed 30. That was, I think, the first time, maybe second time they played Miami. I forget, but we all Same. know, right? Oh, it's that game. Oh, yeah. oh, that heat game. Yeah, that's the one. That one's up here. And then you have some other games that are all jumbled up in tier two and tier three of some other poor quarters where eventually that leads to a loss. Here's another one, Doug, after the All-Star break. Just another game where that happens once again. Well, this one might be worse because you really you really needed this win. You need them all at this point. Uh, but you're coming off the Detroit loss. You really need to show that you can give consistent effort for 48 minutes. Uh, and it's a team, you know, Miami has has just been in the Hornets shirts for a long time, except weirdly, I think last season they they played well against Miami. But but typically Miami has proved to be a problem for the Charlotte Hornets because of the way they defend. But Milwaukee is a team they've beaten before. And so I really think this quarter was actually worse. And before I get into the breakdown, I want to ask a simple question here. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think the Hornets record would be at the end of the season if they, if like in golf, you got a mulligan, you know, if they got a mulligan quarter, if they just got to say, all right, one quarter, we get to wipe away, run it back. I'm pretty sure the Hornets would be a 50 plus win team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> If if you just cut out half of the god awful quarters, then you'd at least have a handful more wins. Like at least you'd be in the race. You know, if we're if yeah. we're really trying to realistically apply this mulligan rule, you'd at least be in the race. But and, you're and not. It's never. It's weirdly. It's not the fourth quarter. It's to, the, we've seen no. a few, but we have not seen a ton of fourth quarter let ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's typically the first and second quarter, and then weirdly this season after they have that disaster quarter, they don't fold up. They don't crumple into a ball of paper and just get you know, a run off the floor. Again, we've seen it uh, once or twice, but not not a lot this season. They typically will ra- either rally back and get in the game or when they play a team with, with good That's defense right. like Milwaukee, 
uh, they will they'll show up, but it'll be too little too late. It's the fake comeback. And we got tired of it. We talked about that with Memphis, where they had the disaster. They come back. I mean, and seriously, damn near pull off one of the more impressive comebacks. I mean, it had to be the most impressive comeback in Hornets history if they complete it, but they don't. And eventually they lose. And so some people feel the need to speak with a caveat. Hey, they got destroyed, but at least they came back and provided some value and effort. And that's great. But then it's also like, well, we've seen that too much. It's the fake comeback. And I don't want fake comebacks anymore. Let's just not dig yep. ourselves into that kind of hole and try to win and keep pace with these good teams early into the ball game. Valiant effort is not the same as winning effort. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's just it's so one. true. It's so true. Like how many times are you describing a team with a valiant effort that's on top that actually wins right. valiant? It's almost a bad word. It's almost taboo. And the Hornets, I don't even know if you can say that in the second quarter. They didn't come back in the third. They lost by 10 in the third quarter, fourth quarter. It's way too late yeah. to come back. Eventually still lose by 30. Um, you know, you, you've got a lot of, of breakdown you want to discuss in the next segment. Maybe we can just take a look real quickly at some of the players just hit Go on and maybe rapid. I got fire. A lot. I'll tell you the reason I, so I have a big breakdown of the offense and the defense mm-hmm. in the second quarter, because I feel like when you have that kind of quarter, that kind of disaster, it really uh, deserves taking the microscope to it and and figuring out what because it was both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. You know we're used to this season seeing the Hornets either not be able to shoot the basketball and the, the offense gets mucked up or the defensive end more. That's that's happened more. It's been on the defensive end where they just completely give out. This was an example of a quarter where nothing went right on either end of the floor. So I do want to take a deeper look at it in a second. So stay tuned. All right, let's do that. Let's talk about bet online first. Football might be over for the season, but basketball, it's full steam ahead. Same as college hoops. They're inching closer and closer to the postseason from all the latest odds, totals and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline where the game starts. Doug's breakdown coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. All right, so so we've got Al, or we've got the question, how? Like, how did Miles do that? Can you help so much an unbelievable amount on the line? Uh, Doug, I respect you to the nth degree, uh, but Walker, I'm telling you, it was just, it came, it, oh. Every single person who saw that reacted that way. Some of us just are tighter tighter than others. And I just had to release this from my body. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So you take a look at the box score. You go, you go to the three point. <laughs> don't make, don't make me. Well, well, the thing is, it's it's not so bad when you look at the three point percentage. Thirty six percent. Not bad, right? Like we had talked about this Hornets team struggling because they relied so much on shooting from deep. And then when they weren't hitting, they okay. weren't winning ball games. But three point shot wasn't all that bad against Milwaukee. 36%. Okay, let me let me let me let me stop you. Let me stop you because okay. when you when you say a team shoots thirty six percent from three, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I haven't looked at the box score. You've looked at the box score. I have not looked at the box score. I'm just right. gonna guess, just okay. based on my knowledge of looking at box scores and NBA trends, that if a team shoots thirty six percent from three, then like at worst, 
in terms of overall field goal percentage, I'm going to say 43, 44%. At worst, right? Like that's on the low end of the spectrum of what you would expect. And this Hornets offense has been good most of this season. Mm -hmm. Need to lower that bar a little bit, Doug. Oh boy. 38.7% from the field overall, which means they're missing a lot of twos. They're not finishing at the rim. And when Montrez Harrell, your best rim finisher, is one of eight from the field in that regard, you know it's going to be an ugly night. P.J. Washington, he goes five of 11 from the field. Hey, that's not bad. Hits three three three-pointers and misses a couple of the two-point field goals that he took. Miles Bridges, five of 14 from the field. Mason Plumlee hit one bucket of of his four attempts. LaMelo actually had a decent night, nine of 18. But again, you look at four of seven from the three-point line, which means what? That means he's five of 11 from two point range. You know, it's under 50%. Like we've talked about that. That's the number one thing LaMelo needs to do. Take better shots inside the three point arc and just start to hit those shots. Terry Rozier, seven of 16, but one of five from the three point line. You know, we can go on and on. I'll let you go ESPN, whatever site you use and go view the box score. Rough shooting night for the Charlotte Hornets against Milwaukee. Doug, you have watched the film. You have taken a look at that bad, awful second quarter, so nobody else has to. You are a hero of us Hornets fans. What did you notice in those 12 minutes? Yeah, I felt like in the in the second quarter, the offense uh, devolved into selfish, shot-taking, and missing. And that's a pretty terrible con- combination when your offense is both selfish. And they lost? And- and okay. missing shots. And my God, the free throws. I mean, that's the other sort of big headline. So well, actually, there's three headlines. There's selfish and missing. My God, the free throws. Because there wasn't a free throw discrepancy in free throws attempted in this game, which Milwaukee is known to put teams in free throw discrepancies because they have Giannis. Giannis gets mm-hmm. fouled a lot. They have other players that can drive and, and get contact. Uh, but not the case here. Both of them taking just above 30 free throw attempts. But but one team made their free throws and the other team uh, only made, I think, 16 uh, made free throws, 60-odd percent. It was just terrible from the free throw line. But here's the biggest headline. I'm going to give you the biggest headline. The Hornets, and this tells you all you need to know, the Hornets ended the first half without a single fast break point. Now, Walker, yeah. we know right. that this is a fast break team. They finally, finally, after so many years of saying that they were going to up the pace, they finally up the pace. And we also know that the Hornets need to be a fast break team to play good offense because they're half court offense. They don't have a reliable, uh, you know, release valve down low to send it down to, you know, when a play breaks down. They've got to get out and score easy buckets. This is about the Hornets, but it's also about Milwaukee. Milwaukee plays solid, organized, fundamental defense that bothered the Hornets a lot and forced them into some of these long twos. But let me give you the breakdown. We became a long two offense in the second quarter. And I would say if you looked over the past couple of games, a lot more long twos happening, a lot more, a lot more long jump shots, but also long floaters. Ball opens up the second quarter, long two jump shot miss. Thor tries a driving floater from 13 feet. <laughs> JT Thor mm-hmm. driving floater, 13 feet. What's going on here? Do you practice that shot? When do you take that shot? <laughs> I hear Patrick Ewing yelling at him right oh now. Oh my God, I have that audio too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh stop the show to go grab that audio, but it's so good. Patrick Ewing. When do you practice that shot? Do you take that shot? When do you take that shot? JT. I, I've I've been saying more Thor, but that is not what I meant. Mm-hmm. I did not mean more Thor driving floaters from 13 feet. That is not the shot you want JT Thor taking. Uh, Later on in the quarter, Ball had a 13-foot driving floater out of control. And the thing is, 
not all, uh, you know, when, when we shifted the defensive end, they were able to take these missed shots in the second quarter, the Bucs were, and easily turn them into transition buckets. The Bucs D was organized. They're not falling for pump fakes. They're not falling for uh, the, the you know, Oubre tried to back cut on that play. Ball drove 13 foot. He had to take it. He had he had no passing lane. And and he took he takes this out of control driving floater. I mean, that's that's a little bit on Ball's decision making, but a lot on on the Milwaukee defense. Even Oubre was taking a long two jump shot off a of Mason screen. He had PJ wide open for three. This was when they were already down twenty late in the second quarter. But still, it illustrates my point that the offense has become selfish at times, and in this second quarter, it was at its most selfish and resulted in this big in this big margin. I mean. Miles Bridges is probably the guy that you rely on most to create half court offense when Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. is out. And if he's going to shoot the five of 19 that he did, where you think about it, only two, two point field goals from him, a little uncharacteristic did shoot pretty well from three and uh, hitting three. And he was over five in that second quarter. Didn't yeah. make a single shot. I mean, you know, Miles ha- has done a really nice job of finishing inside that three point line. I mean, he's shooting, uh, 71% at the rim, you know, like that it's phenomenal this year. And he was shooting 73 uh, last year. Like that's just what he does. And he's shooting 41%, um, you know, from three to 10 feet out. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the thing. Like if miles isn't hitting Gordon Hayward's not on the team, LaMelo continues to struggle from two PJ Washington continues to not finish at the level you want him to, especially if he's got to kind of be relied upon to be that center, then it's really going to hurt this uh, Charlotte Hornets basketball team against a Giannis who is, yeah. who, who might just win defensive player of the year. How many I mean, blocks he, did he have four blocks? I mean, I don't know what the overall team, the overall team only had five blocks, but they had a lot of plays at the rim that weren't technically scored as blocks. There were just great defense at the rim and bad paint decisions. There was one in particular in the second quarter, Miles Bridges driving, I believe it was on Drew Holiday, and he starts his spin at the free throw line. And and he's athletic and he can get to the rim from, you know, or at least close to the rim for a floater or something like that from that position. But when you do that and you're being defended by Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo has dropped on defense, he was just sitting there waiting for it, salivating it, and blocked it into the <laughs> at the half court line, and it was just easy transition buckets. And this is what I'm talking about: when the bad offense, the bad paint decisions, or the bad shot selection ends up turning into Milwaukee offense. That's how you that's how you get this margin that we saw in the second quarter that only got worse in the third quarter. You know, and, and some of this stuff, like you start to look a little bit, not only just to the last 20 games of the year, but when you start to look to next season, how does this get fixed? What can Mitch Kupchak do? Maybe you think it's a James, maybe you think the roster is fine. And maybe you think James Brego is solely the problem. Maybe you think it's both. I don't know what you think, but when you talk about trying to fix this roster, you know, one of the things that they had to rely on a decent amount was Kelly Oubre this year. He was awesome at first. You know, we were talking about him being a legitimate part of the six man of the year conversation. Dude's not anywhere close. Like he shouldn't be from the way that he's played for so long. Now you were hoping that he would get out of this. I mean, is this like people were, you know, and, and like, understandably, I know you talked about not wanting to trade him because he did matter a lot to the offense when he was hitting shots. How much money did he lose? I mean, we're we're talking, it's not Dennis Schroeder level, but are we talking, I mean, how much money did Kelly Oubre lose out there? If he just would have somewhat kept pace, but his numbers I mean, they're at like third. He's shooting thirty-four percent from three now, 
You know, he's shooting 43% from the field. Those are kind of on par with what he's done in the past. And if you look at when he came back from that first injury where he was inactive quite a bit, you know, he's shooting under 40% from the field. He's shooting 28% from three on eight and a half attempts per game. I mean, Dougie's actively hurting this squad, especially when he's not playing defense. <laughs> and so now when you're talking about him playing against in a variety Bucks, of ways too, yeah, in a variety like, of ways, right? Because he was two of seven from the free throw line. We've come to expect whew. free throw struggles from Mason Plumley, even though we shouldn't have expected it. It wasn't, uh, that was not on my scouting report that he was going to be God awful at the free throw line, but he is, something is truly wrong with Mason Plumley's free throw shot. I mean, it's, oh, he it, it looks like he's actively trying to miss it. He's he is so all the way shook. Seven I was at that, I, at that game against Toronto where he completely airballed it. It was one of the uglier. I mean, it legit. Like I'm not using hyperbole here. It was one of the worst free throws I've ever seen in my entire life. And Mason, we talked about. I think Bobby mentioned this yesterday on 7:30. The game, like Bobby was like, you look at his stats. I mean, it's not like he was this bad in his career ever. Like he was never a good free throw shooter by any stretch of the imagination. But he was never you know, like make Ben Wallace look like Steve Nash bad. I mean, that that's the thing that he's doing right now. And Montrez, even if Montrez did not have a great game scoring the basketball, at least he went to the free throw line eight times and knocked him down uh, and, and knocked down seven of them. I'll take mm -hmm. it, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It was, it was brutal. Anything else you noticed from that second quarter? <laughs> Uh, just, I mean, I think just a collapse of of the defense, and we've seen that time and again this season when the offense is not putting the ball in the basket, the defense just starts to lack. The one, the one thing, you know, listen, I I hate to say this because I've been wanting more Thor, and I think we're going to get more Thor in the future, and I think Thor has a bright future here in Charlotte. This was a tough game for JT Thor. This was a tough game for the more Thor movement. I've Which started to call it the, the more, yeah, everybody, yeah, you know, Mello had a bad game. He bounced back and this one had a good offensive start. Um, but this was a bad night for the more Thor movement. My, my more Thor uh, ites out there on Twitter who are calling for more Thor. He had <laughs> some bad, <def> <laughs> some bad defensive mistakes in this second quarter uh to two two at the very beginning and then one coverage mistake off of uh the the Giannis dunk and one was really Thor not not stepping over aggressively enough just sort of that kind of stuff that you see out of a rookie where it's like oh what am I okay oh, oh, what that was, that, was that that's part of the thing though with, with JT like this is you know before we go to break the thing about JT is that guy does have a lot of potential I always thought yeah. it was the best value pick that Mitch Kupchak executed in this past draft 37th overall you get him with that pick that comes over because you take on Mason Plumley's contract and then he actually becomes an actual player for you. But like, it's okay for JT to struggle as the 37th overall pick, second youngest player in the draft when you're asking him to do some things his very first year. And so right. when we ask for more Thor, it's like, okay, he's made some really nice plays but you got to be ready to watch the ugly at some point because it's coming because it comes with anybody that is that young. And that is that not ready to play basketball at this level. You know, we do with this with Kai, like yeah. we're okay. We're okay. We're not watching Kai JT Thor comes in and against Toronto, by the way, JT really provided some nice stuff, put the ball on the deck, like looked comfortable. Like where, where the hell, why are you getting so, why are you getting so gutsy in this game? What? Like you think you belong and it's, Oh yeah. Milwaukee. Maybe not yeah. so much, but you're going to have those moments with him, and that's okay for his development in the future. It's totally fine. Let's just get this straight. 
Mm-hmm. JT Thor, we knew this when when the Hornets drafted him. JT Thor is a project. There are aspects of his game that are raw and need to be developed. His playtime this season is representative both of his work that he has put into his game and in the, in the short time that he's been in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. But it's also representative of the fact that the Hornets have, across the board, lacked defensive effort that JT Thor has provided. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in, you know, effort is different from just technically being skilled at the complexities of NBA defense. That, that's where JT Thor is struggling, but he's not struggling with effort. He's not struggling with energy, no. which is where some of these other Hornet struggles have come from. He's also representative. Look, JT Thor would not be playing on a Hornets team that came into this season with an NBA level big rotation. Yeah. That is a fact. Okay. And so that's what JT Thor's play represents. Why we have started the more Thor movement is that JT Thor represents for fans. <laughs> You're smiling at me no, right no. now because you know I, I, like I, you know I am on a roll. No, no you I know like I am preaching I, right I, now. I know you are on a roll, and I, and the the we thing. It, it's like you said that from a very serious place. Oh, there are that thousands there, of us. There, there are, are people, at least yes, thousands right. of us. Right. No, more and I Thor. Yes, we've started the More Thor movement, the MTM. <laughs> and the reason we have started the More Thor movement mm-hmm. is because he represents hope. He represents potential. He represents mm-hmm. development in a season, going back to your point on Ubre and Bridges, where we've seen players ascend very high and then descend down the roller coaster and start to lose a little bit of momentum. JT Thor represents a player who is gaining momentum. He represents hope. And that is why the more Thor movement may have taken a hit last night, but we are strong. Yeah. You guys are, you guys are real strong. I believe in the more Thor movement. (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready to fully invest in the more Thor movement right now. Hashtag more Thor. Let's make it happen. I'm going to, I'm going to have to wait for that. At LOH at locked on Hornets. There's a you. How many more catchphrases do you need right now? Like, I think, how many do you have? How Thor was stanging. Yeah, Thor was stanging. All right. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So, why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't need to do that anymore. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. They have the prices that are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil they even have new par- uh, carpet go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com let's talk more about the charlotte hornets loss to milwaukee maybe some of the ways that they can fix this going forward coming up next locked on hornets podcast you are listening to the locked on hornets podcast Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Had some Hornets players speaking after the game. James Borrego uh, did as well. Spoke after the Detroit, you know, contest. And I, I want to talk a little more about what Miles had to say after Detroit, Doug, because okay. we've heard him before be the most vocal on this team when putting out the team's frustrations, his frustrations out into the public. He did it after the Washington loss earlier this year. 
did it after the Orlando loss. And then when he talked about Detroit, he said, somebody asked a very kind of assuming question, right? Leading into a territory where you want the person answering the question to go. The question was phrased to the tune of, do you just see teams that have a poor win loss record and kind of play to that competition? How do you avoid that? Mm -hmm. Whatever classic, classic reporter question. Do you play to the level of your competition? Absolutely. Miles Bridges said, absolutely though. Like he, he said, that's absolutely what we do. We, he didn't say we underestimate and underestimate can't talk the opponent. But when you talk about like watching the win and loss record for those teams coming in, you know, we just don't play to that level. We don't get up for them. And then we end up taking the L and we can't do that anymore. Like, and, and he said, talk about, you know, learning the lesson. Like they haven't learned that lesson, you know, dropping that game to the magic during their hot streak is an example. Dropping that game to Washington is an example. Detroit is certainly an example. And the the problem with me, Doug, the reason I feel so low about the Hornets right now is because you would think that you would come out and be really competitive against a team that you should have confidence against. You know, you've beaten Milwaukee twice. It's a good team. You just got beat by Detroit, one of the worst teams in the NBA. And you put up that effort in the second, and then you come out in the third and get beat by 10 points. Like that's, that's a bad loss. Despite it being against a good team, that's still a pretty bad loss the way it happened. And these guys don't really seem to have an answer for it. Yeah. That's what surprised me most. I mean, you can definitely hear frustration starting to bubble. Okay. Uh, From some of these players when they, when they have these interviews after the game, it's starting to bubble over because the answers are few and far between. I've got a few quotes. Uh, well, going back to Terry Rozier it, after that Detroit game, that he was asked about the OT struggles, the overtime struggles that this team has had, and he said, "We don't talk about that in the locker room." <laughs> it's it's I Baltimore. Might, I maybe might be time to talk about it because you keep losing overtime games. I don't know. It is those we don't speak of. It is Baltimore. We it don't is talk everything. about that kind of thing in the mm-hmm. locker room. I mean, it might be worth it. Might be worth having a chat, a chat, uh, not a chat, a chat. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't. I don't know. I try to go French there, and it yeah, didn't work. Don't um, do that. In the all locker right. Room. So moving on. Going to just truck on through that. Yeah, we're. we're uh, we're not going to talk hot about shot, that. Hot shot, shot chart. All right, there we go. I got it out of my system. Um, hot shot, Miles Leonard. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, PJ Washington, after this loss against Milwaukee, asked about the just the tailspin that the Hornets are in right now. By I believe Rod Boone asked this question. It was in his um, Observer write-up. Go check that out. Quote, PJ Washington says, that's a great question, referring to Boone's question about you know why they're struggling right now. He goes on to say, quote, I feel like if we had an answer to that, we wouldn't have lost all of those games. True. So I think for us, we've got to stick with it. Uh, LaMelo was asked the same similar question. He says, quote, to be honest, I don't even know. Some of so it. There, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know. I, is this just frustration? They don't want to talk about it with the media. Is or Or is it they just don't know? either what the problem I think they know what the problem is but they don't know exactly how to fix it well I mean let's talk about the Detroit game right like here's the problem LaMelo misses a wide open layup PJ Washington doesn't finish through contact Kelly Olenek hits a really baller shot so does Sadiq Bey and you lose like sometimes it just comes down to you know okay if we hit these layups and then we have this one stop I don't know if there's necessarily a scheme thing and that type of overtime now it's happened six other times 
but also it comes down to shot making the previous yeah. two years where they were so clutch. Like it, yeah. we were talking about Terry Rozier being among the best clutch shooters in all Certified of the gamer. NBA. And I think there was like, I remember John Schumann putting this stat out of NBA.com last year where Terry Rozier had like 97 shot attempts in clutch time scenarios. And if he had reached the filter of a hundred shot attempts, he would be the best shooter among anybody taking those types of shots by like three, four percentage points. And, you know, the other players were like, you know, ballers, like I, maybe Dame Lillard was in that category, maybe even a CJ too. I'm not sure, but it just hasn't happened. Like some of this is coming back to the law of averages where you just can't be that clutch. And we're experiencing it in an awful way. You know, some of it is missing layups and then that's going to lead to more frustration. I, I I don't doubt they don't know. It's like, we're, we're doing the same thing that we're kind of doing in regulation. I, I don't feel like we're taking it lightly. Once we get in the final five minute scenario, yeah. just, we just keep getting beat, you know, and I can understand why that'd be frustrating. Well, and and the problem with not having answers, see, it's okay to not have answers when you are in an unquestionable uh, player development season, when the expectations are not play in or playoffs. And, you know, I, I don't care what Mitch Kupchak said about them being like right on schedule. I, I think it was pretty evident that this season, the expectation if it wasn't playoffs, it needed to be playoffs. This team, this they had a roster good enough, and they showed it at the beginning of the season. They had the tools necessary to make a run, at least at the play-in. And we know the issues at center. I I debated whether I thought I thought look, they could make the playoffs, but they'll get run off the floor. They got to make some adjustments. But they had a good enough team to make a run, at least at the play-in. Okay, and so you mm -hmm. that's the problem when you have those expectations and then you don't meet them. You must have answers. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, the Mitch Kupchak stuff, maybe we can talk about what he could have done in the off season more. So like, I, I think we've talked about trying to find a center that's pretty simplistic, but also just maybe even finding defenders. You know, we, we talk about trading physicality, physicality that, you know, well, you, this is a quote, this is a quote from, uh, from Borrego after this loss to Milwaukee. He said, you know, when he was asked about the rebounding discrepancy, which we really didn't yeah. talk about, it wasn't an issue in the second quarter. It was more of an issue in the first. What's happened and, two and straight games where they just got yeah, out third quarter? Yeah, monstrously. they're getting, you know, they're allowing offensive rebounds. They're not a physical team. Uh, and he said this, he said, quote, this is our group. It's not going away. We have to be more physical, <laughs> yeah, but they don't have the group. Yeah, no, they, they don't they don't have the group. They don't have a couple of those players to it's it's, they don't have a center. Like that's They're what not, it is. They don't have, they need, don't they don't have a Bobby you Portis. To, yeah. You need a, you need a, well, you need a Bobby Portis. You need somebody. Nah, you need somebody more like a Bobby, Bobby Portis. We, we like scary. Bobby Portis. We, you know, he'll, he'll punch Miritich in the face. That's fine. I don't know if we need anybody scary. that physical. <laughs> we need someone. Scary, that, Terry, look, Terry is scary when he's knocking down threes. We need an actual scary person on the roster, somebody who's physical, not many of those. And the reason you need Trez? that player, honestly, is because there are not many of those players left in the NBA. So if you can, if you can get one in your hand, and I think JT Thor might be that player though, when he bulks up, you know, in the future, like three or four years from now, just we need, right now. we need Charles Oakley. That's what we need. Let's just not get many Anthony of those. Oakley. Well, that's the whole thing. Not many of those players left. So when you get one, it is one of the most like prized possessions in the league is to have someone yeah. um, that's very physical. I, I mean, I think I think Miles and PJ kind of are. They're just not big. 
Like they're just not going to be able to battle. Like Giannis is a freak. You know, Isaiah Stewart is like wanted to throw hands with LeBron James. You haven't seen that before. So that's a little different. It's like, such a good point on the PJ Washington thing. Uh, he was giving his absolute all. I like I'll I- any offensive issues PJ had in that game. Yeah. I'm willing to write them all off because he, again, when he plays Milwaukee, this just always happens, but he's done it throughout the season too. PJ Washington giving his all on defense, but to that's your been point, a thing. That's been a thing for him. It's been a thing, but to your point, he's being asked to do things Absolutely. that he necessarily shouldn't be asked to do. And you saw it in that second quarter. You had Holiday and a few others hitting tough layups against him, and he was playing good defense, jumping Absolutely. straight up in the air, contesting, but he can't block the shot. Uh, I mean, and and like he still is actually like last year, he was among the top man, was it like 15 and 20 and, and block shots per game at that size? Like part of that is the role that he needs to play because they just haven't had a center that James Brego has wanted to rely on in quite some time. You know, I was watching PJ play defense against Toronto, just staying right in front of Pascal Siakam. I mean, defensively, you know, offensively, it, it's holding PJ back so much. Imagine like, that. Imagine yeah. that. Imagine right. PJ doing exactly that. Yeah with a center, with a Rashawn Holmes, with somebody yeah. that can actually block shots yeah. behind him. Yeah. It would be incredible. But this has been a season of would-bees. That's, you know what? A great nickname. Great B-E-S, nickname for this Charlotte Hornets team are the would-bees. <laughs> yeah, oh it no. would have been a lot of things had they taken uh. care of something in the offseason, had they done something at the trade deadline. These are the would bees. And we are we are putting the B E E S, right? Like we are mm-hmm. that that's what we're doing with this. Okay. I just so came, by the way, that was off the dome. We did saw not it. plan that. We saw I'm the exhausted, man. Off. We've talked a lot about I'm gonna have to hit the showers after this show. I've already taken a shower this morning, but I might have to take another. Whew. I have to have a cigarette after that would be. Yeah, let's hit the locker room. I'm not, you want to take a shower and have a cigarette. (laughs) You're dirty. You're satisfied. You're a lot of things right now. You need to go to the locker room right away. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every single day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. It's West Wednesday. West Bryant. We won't be be silenced. No, they're not going to be. Now make your second listen. Lockdown NBA. Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Again, West Wednesdays tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, Thor!